Welcome to Screen Actors Guild, where we explore Oscar-winning actors and the embarrassing films they'd rather forget. I am your host, Michelle, the living, breathing, walking, talking Heineken ad. And I'm Henry, the man in a belly shirt carrying a sphere of beer. (laughs) Favorite part of the movie. That's my favorite part of the movie. It is marvelous. Uh, So this is our Reese Witherspoon episode. How hard is her name to say for you? Reese Witherspoon? Do you always try to... Because I was nervous I was going to say Reese Witherspoon. And I guarantee by the end of the episode, I will have said Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> it seems right. It seems seems like a fair prediction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't find her name terribly difficult to pronounce. I usually it, don't, but for some reason. Can't do it. It is, it is not her real name. Uh, oh, is that true? this difficult to pronounce name. Yeah, her real name's Laura. Uh, Witherspoon is her last name. Yeah. Uh, I've, I have some, well, so, okay, Reese Witherspoon, she won for Walk the Line. Yes. Uh, which, she's good in Walk the Line. She's I, great I in Walk the Line. She's yeah. great in Walk the Line. This was also a time in Hollywood where we were just sort of giving Oscars mm-hmm. for the act of showing us you could do something that we didn't know you could do. Yes. So, like, a lot you... of it is, shit, she can sing. Great. It's Oscar. the element of surprise. Absolutely. I also think this was like, I don't know, we've had, we had like a good 10 years where if you were in a lot of rom-coms and then you were not, mm-hmm. you were just mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to say, okay, Julia Roberts, Aaron Brockovich, I was down with that and I am down with Julia Roberts, but we also had a Sandra Bullock win and we also had a Reese Witherspoon win. There's just yes. a little bit of a theme in Hollywood. It was sort of, yeah, if you if you stopped being in movies with Matthew McConaughey in the yeah. 90s, they would just like lob one over the plate for you. Yeah. Uh, and which is like the kind of the thing I have a funny feeling about is like, yeah, I mean, she's good and walk the line fine. Yeah. She's great now. Like, she has mm-hmm. become a fucking rock solid dramatic actress in the last, like, and not to say she wasn't before, but she's really yeah. established herself that way in the last, like, four or five years. Yeah. Uh, but, like, yeah, she did Wild. We, she's on the morning show. I can't, what else is she? Uh, Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, uh, Big Little Eyes, definitely. It was, like, sort of the... I mean, it's the yeah, thing yeah. that the... really jumps out for me. And then she was also in the uh, the uh, TV version of Little Fires Everywhere, oh, which I yeah. didn't see, but, uh, yeah. I you know, I like, uh, I like the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, do you want to learn some things about Reese Witherspoon? I do. Uh, so, she has four trademarks. Uh she mostly pray, plays uh, chipper-type women convinced of their own successful destiny, which feels dated, but is Yeah, that was probably someone in the wrote 90s that and 2000s. right after she made election. Mm-hmm, Go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, smooth voice with a strong southern accent. What? Sure. Smooth? <laughs> smooth, I guess. Smooth. <laughs> S- Reese Witherspoon's silky, smooth voice. <laughs> Not She's sort of the James Earl Jones of her generation. And this is uh, Reese Witherspoon on Cool Jazz Hour telling you <laughs> to have a swanky day. <laughs> so there are two other trademarks. Uh, the next, Michelle, is expressive face, which, <laughs> which I think is like just sort of a... Hi, it's I am actor. You're an, you're an actor. Yeah. Right? Like, I am actor. My face moves when I tell it to. 
And the last is blonde hair and blue eyes, which I'm sorry, IMDb, that's just a description of her face. That's that's not a trademark. That's just the color of her hair and, and it's eyes. It's barely a description. Like that's not even if you were trying if yeah, that would not pass in a lineup. <laughs> no. You'd be a no, terrible that's, witness. That's nothing. If that was it's the nothing. I mean, she's huh? got some like pretty iconic features. Those didn't make the cut in. Face. Well, that, face. that smooth voice sure certainly did. <laughs> that just Reese Witherspoon drawl, like like sweet molasses <laughs> like just butter. spilling out your mouth. <laughs> so, a thing that I really like about the IMDb trivia page is that it's like, it's a time capsule. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a couple things that I've learned about Reese Witherspoon is has been named one of Rolling Stone's People of the Year, along with Eminem and Kelly Osbourne. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. There's, I'm just telling you what the internet one, movie database has for us. There's one every year. Those are the ones they had to throw in with Reese Witherspoon. Uh, she collects antique linens and is crazy about old embroidery. Uh, <laughs> Michelle, so Reese Witherspoon... The thing about her is that she was a gymnast for seven years when she was younger. <laughs> Every kid is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was a gymnast for at least one year when I was younger. Uh-huh. Uh, she... <laughs> she dyed her hair brown for her role as June Carter Cash in Walk the Line. Just Thank stuff, you, Internet just... Movie Database. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a lot of this page is just Reese Witherspoon is an actress and does things that actresses do. Oh, this reads so much like you had a report due and you did it the morning of, mm-hmm. like while you were mm-hmm. eating breakfast and you're just scrambling to find, you're looking at covers of movies like br- brown hair and then also <laughs> b- blonde hair on cover of magazine once. Uh, so a thing that I, okay, so there's some, there's some, like, borderline actually interesting ones. I'm just, you know, walking through this. Yeah, uh, let's go on a journey. She won the Academy Award for Best Actress for uh-huh. playing June Carter Cash in Walk the Line. Funnily enough, direct quote, Witherspoon had also played another Carter family member before. She played Mother Maybell Carter, June Carter's mother, in her fourth grade play. <laughs> I have questions. So, is what... Uh, Reese Witherspoon was in fourth grade in, what, like, the 80s? Yeah. So, was... Was there like a popular play in the 80s about the Carter family? Where did she grow up? That's so weird. She, I mean, the South, but like still. Like, that... unless you're from like June Carter's hometown, that's a really weird thing, right? Uh, yeah, I would think so. I mean, like. What's the play I, about? What's the I don't story? know. Is it just like the, the I don't Carters know. One, existed? What age did you become aware of Johnny Cash? I would, not fourth grade. No. Although I think, presumably, like, if you're in the South, you grew up in country music culture, maybe I guess earlier. that's true. Yeah, you but would know about so, it, yeah. I mean, was it a play about Johnny Cash? Or was it a play about the Carter sisters? That's so fucking weird. It's like, I don't imagine Mother Maybell Carter is in that many other, like, I don't think of her as being especially significant in the world like the story of johnny cash nope maybe she was maybe uh, but certainly not the movie i saw yeah it's i, I don't know uh so here's a fun fact about 
Reese Witherspoon, she has worked with three actors who have played comic book characters. She worked with Tobey Maguire, who played Spider-Man. She worked with Tom Hardy, who played Bane. And she worked with Christian Bale, who played Batman. What? The and that's the fuck? thing about the actress with Reese Witherspoon. At this point, it's impossible to have not worked with someone in the Marvel universe. I know. It's I know. Just not it's not possible. The, it's all of Hollywood. <laughs> this is. It's also. It's an artifact. Maybe this was a thing in 2011 when that was. Yeah, written. Yeah, definitely reads like very close to when Walk the uh, Line came out. Yes. Uh, God. Oh, I missed something that was very good. Uh, <laughs> Oh, no. Was it her brown hair and then that her was not blue her brown eye? Hair. No, this is actually, this is a pretty fucking nuts one. Uh, married uh, Jim Toth, who cares who he is, in March 26th, 2011, in a marquee on her ranch in Ojai, California, wearing a custom-designed gown or blah, 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 who cares. Uh, 80 white doves were released just moments after the couple said, I do. Which is psychotic. Oh my god, her wedding was eight, a John Woo movie. Eight zero white doves were released <laughs> by somebody at the moment she said I do. <laughs> I didn't know Whose people actually did that. was it to be holding that? 80 doves? <laughs> like one of those doves didn't make it out of the box. No, like, no. There's somebody, some dove casualties Somebody's on sure. the floor. Uh, I have two more important things for you to know from the Internet Movie Database. Okay. Uh, This is dated May 20th, 2017. Visited her old dorm room at Stanford University and met the current occupant. Okay. Full stop. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Does it, like, make any mention of her children? Or any other accomplishment she made? Oh, her children? Yeah. I mean, there are... There are other things about okay. her. Okay. Uh, I'm just giving you the, the tastiest morsels. There are some things that are oh, like God. actual trivia. That's so uh, funny. But there was like somebody that decided that the fact that she visited her dorm room was important. <laughs> uh, the most important thing about her, uh, per the Internet Movie Database, at least the most recent relevant thing. Uh-huh. The last thing there. Do you have any guesses, Michelle? Um. It's two words. Oh, no. I don't know. I'm so... The the last item on the Reese Witherspoon Internet Movie Database trivia is Voluptuous Figure. Oh, no! That was going to be my guess! I should have done it. I should have nailed it. Why? Uh, Because her and Kate Winslet are forming a club. It's a very exclusive club. It's just every woman on Earth, apparently, who has a figure at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not a thing, uh, especially associated with Spoon. It's like somebody's just going from page to page, <laughs> just adding a voluptuous figure to every woman's People IMDb gotta profile. know. Let them know. She's got the curves. I've been up all night making lists of ladies. <laughs> Someone's got this dossier. I'm coming for you, Helen Mirren. Spooling it, furiously, <laughs> feverishly typing into the void. Uh. Um, IMDb had something to share with me, and that is that Mr. Steven Dorf, when you look up his stats, it will let you know right up front that he is five seven and a quarter inches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get Reese Witherspoon is five foot one and three quarters inches. Okay, it's other people they, too. I had not seen that before, and I thought that was like cute and sad. Yeah, it's got a real like I'm five and three quarters years old. Mm-hmm. 
He is a little man. Yeah. Uh, he is, I'm he is 5'11 like the star of this and movie. three quarters. Almost like uh, This is our second Stephen Dorff movie in it as is. many weeks. Uh, it's like my favorite. It's my second Stephen Dorff movie that I can recall. Well, I guess he's in Blade, but I, he's in Blade. So I, saw oh, that, I, I guess. I trust you. I looked it up. I didn't remember this. <laughs> <laughs> there when was I, clearly a. I feel like Stephen Dorff is one of those actors that Hollywood periodically really tries to make happen. Yeah. And and I think they've basically decided that the ship has sailed. And so, like, every now and then he's in something, but he's not, like, yeah. nobody's really pushing him. Which, I am more of a Dorff apologist than <laughs> than some others, I believe. You uh, have more Dorff exposure, though, to be fair. I do. I do have more Dorff exposure. Yeah. I've really just experienced him in two shitty movies and then I think a few side parts that are completely forgettable yeah yeah i mean he's uh he's not like a super magnetic actor i think he can do like a serviceable side character uh but unfortunately for this movie he he is he is the main character it's not just the main character he's like the only every moment of this movie is just his face and everybody in this movie is obsessed with him it is obsessed with him. This movie had a real feel like it wanted like a Brad Pitt type, mm-hmm. but they couldn't pull the Brad Pitt mm-hmm. person. So they were nope. like, here's like a greasier and worse Brad Pitt with just the whisper of a mustache. We're, gonna, is... we're just going to really close that camera in as close as we can possibly to his face. I'm looking at his individual pores in some of these shots. Oh, yeah. He's such a greasy boy in this movie. This He's... movie felt really <clears throat> sticky. This was the worst like if I smelling were to movie touch we've it. watched. Yeah, it looks like it smells like little, like, gross teenage boy B.O. and hormones and spilled beer. It's, I mean, this movie smells like a grunge show mosh pit, which it basically is. Yeah, or like a dirty dorm room. This movie smells like the future that Gen X thought was coming. This movie smells like, yeah, backstage at a whole concert. <laughs> this movie smells like the music videos that are also in this movie. This, yeah, this movie, this movie smells like people watching Beavis and Butthead for three days straight, not leaving their room. Oh, man. Yeah. This movie, uh, this movie has two Beavis and Butthead like characters in it. One just of which, two? no, well, fuck. this movie has like six Beavis and Butthead. Okay, but the characters. two I'm talking about, I know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> are very important because one of them is very famous now. Yes, uh, he, you know, he was one of Reese Witherspoon's uh, <laughs> comic book actors. Yeah. So, uh, the name of this movie, which we haven't said yet, oh, yeah. is SFW. Safe for work? Safe for work, yeah. I. So this movie's pretty hard to find on the yeah. internet. It's because Showtime owns it and refuses to let anybody watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to subscribe to Showtime to watch it, which I totally did. I didn't find any other way to watch it. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> the uh, To Google SFW to try to find, to video search really SFW... Not only is it difficult, but it directs you to some interesting places. <laughs> yeah, I, it was really it was pushing hard for porn and VPN mm-hmm. sites. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. It was. Do you want to illegally download pornography? Would you like to not get in trouble whilst illegally downloading <laughs> pornography? Right. One and two. <laughs> it's it's not. 
It's a difficult search, and it's hard to find as it is. Uh, but it does not—it does not stand for safe for work. It stands for so fucking what. Which, I was—you hear every fifteen seconds in this movie, and I have it never is. been so tired of a phrase as I was tired of so fucking what by the end of the movie. Accurate. Yeah, I think that this movie is one of those ones where if you tallied up, if you did the like, take a sip of beer every time they say fuck, you would just like burn through a 12 pack. Oh, somebody definitely charted it uh, in the parents guide. And I believe it's 163. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Which That's more than a fucking tallied it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this movie is blissfully short. Thank God. It is pretty short. And it's really like, I mean, we'll get into the the specifics, but we just watched Shadow Boxer last week and times are tough. I think it's sometimes important to lower your standards, just like mm-hmm. bury them mm-hmm. beneath the earth. Mm-hmm. And then that way everything is just a breath of fresh air. Yeah, this movie you was a palette cleanser. sunshine again. I wouldn't have thought of this movie, which really, do- it, it is, it's sticky. I wouldn't sticky. have thought of this like, this smelly, sticky movie as being a palate cleanser, but after the absolute gaping wound that was shadow boxer (laughs) this is this is great this is blissful yeah yeah we didn't watch anyone uh commit murder mid climax so things only get flashing back back to a seven-year-old childhood memory (laughs) while having aggressive sex with your stepmother it's just so you know not bad this was this was great walk Uh, in the park there was a bunch of like weird Sort of, uh, not inappropriate sex, but like sex that made me feel like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. In this movie, but that's that's sort of par for the course for the movies that we watch for this There's podcast. There's just a lot of grody scenes. This this movie is like, yeah, you know, it's don't just... Don't take it's... a black light to this movie. Oh, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Everything has a film on it. Every <laughs> surface of this movie has a thin film, a viscous film of something. And you don't want to know what it is, and you don't want to smell what it is, but it's present and you're very aware of it. This movie's got sort of like an underside of the stove fan Ew, vibe to it. yes. Or like, yeah, there's, it's, a, if you touch it, it's gross. Mm-hmm. If you just, like, if you forget that the dirt's there, you can get through it. Yeah, yeah. it's like not wiping out the microwave in your workplace kitchen. No one wants to do it. No one's going to do it. You just mm-hmm. bl- you just close your eyes and walk away. <laughs> just, just, you grit. <laughs> you grit and you make it through it. Yeah, you make it through it. Um, uh, yeah. So the this... plot of this movie. <laughs> yeah, the plot of this movie. We start out with a flashback to a hostage scene. That looks to me like it was the actual audition tape and they got mm-hmm. all these actors. Well, it was like the first read, but it was mm-hmm. also, it was like a group audition tape. Every actor looks like it's their first time going through the script and it's super embarrassing and it sets the tone perfectly. Yes. So, uh, Stephen Dorff and Reese Witherspoon and some other people that don't matter, uh, the movie's pretty clear that they don't matter, mm-hmm. uh, have been held hostage in a bodega yeah by what we're told are terrorists but don't seem to have any political motivation of any kind uh they're they're held there for 36 days 
and America's forced to watch them because the only terrorists demand is that you watch them filming the hostages like a reality show. Yeah. <clears throat> and they do that for 36 days. Stephen Dorff is like the charming one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Reese Witherspoon is like the sweet one. And there's some other ones. Yeah. And And then they're... And then, like, suddenly one of them has a gun and they shoot their way out. Apparently because they're out of beer. Uh, (laughs) Beer is very... It cannot be overstated how important beer is to the structural integrity of this movie. It all falls apart without cans and bottles of beer in every scene. There are load-bearing beer bottles. It's definitely load-bearing beer bottles. Uh, So, like, one of the characters shoot, like, suddenly... After 36 days of being held hostage, grabs the gun that he has uh-huh. and, sh- and shoots, <laughs> yeah. shoots the, ca- uh, the captors. And then, like, and then as viewers, we are subjected to what I approximate is an hour-long credit sequence. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like it's, a... <laughs> it's like, extremely long. It has that um, that jittery, like, text-on-screen style, like... You know those old commercials like you wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you yes. steal you, a DVD? But it's... with just black and white stills of Stephen Dorff and then other actors' names. Yeah. And like I mean it was it was like the really early like 70s credits. Uh-huh. Like you're you're sort of sort of still filing into the theater. You've got your popcorn you've got your giant coca-cola yeah it's like going to see like an orson wells movie like here are the players but it's <laughs> instead it's like Soundgarden playing in the background and just jittery like hard to read gin xy staticky text all over the screen for like two solid minutes i just and fully <laughs> fully tuned out and then we get the title card which is s period Flashes on screen, like the bullet. J, mm-hmm. uh, F, period, flash on screen with a bullet. W, period, flash on screen with a bullet. And then the title card spins and explodes. Because uh, this, so this is a student film good. with a Hollywood budget. Oh, like somebody's so showing off their shitty toys. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, and so then after we watch this shitty hostage scene where apparently they shoot their way out to get more beer, clutch... Uh, we find Steven Dorff in his hospital room, and it's kind of like that first-person camera. He's looking around from his hospital bed, and it's people, like, peering down at him, frantically telling him about, like, the movie deal that he's going to get and, like, the money that he's getting for endorsements, and his parents are shitty and trying to bleed him dry for every little, like, TV appearance they could possibly get out of him. It sets you up really quickly to be like, oh, okay, is this about commercialism and the media? And guess what? It fucking is. Guys, this movie's edgy. (laughs) It doesn't like TV. I think it doesn't like beer, but it also worships beer. Um... It really is just like a little high school kids movie. It's a student film, and the thesis is fuck the man, and it's just one man screaming that alone (laughs) in a room for 120 minutes. (laughs) This movie has something to say, but it's like the way that a person in a blackout 
has something to say. <laughs> yeah. One, it's really slurry and hard to follow. And two, it's just the same thing yeah. over and over and over it's again. It's a Mobius strip. You're never going to get out of... Yeah, you're locked in a holding pattern where it's one angry person with like a boom box just like mm-hmm. smashing themselves into a wall and saying <laughs> nothing fucking matters. <laughs> Which you do get. Oh, you actually get this. that and it's the best. It is. It's... It's one of my highlights and lowlights of this movie. It's my uh, only a highlight for me, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> uh, so, there's, this movie is a, has a really weird study in contrasts, which I, I don't know if it's intentional or not. So, like, from the jump, Stephen Dorff, like, comes out of his coma or whatever. It's really not clear. No. Uh, and he yeah, got shot in the shoulder, by the way. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know why he's been hospitalized for what it seems like weeks. Weeks. Uh... You're getting, like, uh, this deluge of bad acting. Like, mm. I mean, fresh really off the street, bad, bad acting. Absolutely like, the way to describe it. It's, it it's, is. It's um, an open casting call to read for, like, Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Great job. It's just, mm-hmm. like, weird-looking mm-hmm. character Absolutely. actors delivering something as they are reading it for the first time. And it's real rough. And, like, everybody's asked to do a bad Jim Carrey impression, as far as I can tell. Like, yeah. there's a, a lot of that, like, hey, how, hey, how, how, how. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Just, a, just, like, 20 degrees too far in every line read. Mm-hmm. It really feels like, even though they didn't use the effect, like, everything should be through a wide-angle lens. And or everyone's like fish-eyed? Fi- yes. Yeah, like a fish-eye lens. Like, everyone should just be peering down at you with, like, a distorted face, because that's how my experience was, watching all these people, like, become cartoons. But it's yeah, it really sets weird. you up for, like, the caliber of movie you're about to watch. It's very, very it's bad. It's weird they didn't do a lot of fish-eye, because they do a lot of other weird effects. I know. Uh, they're in love with the soft-focus flashback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, used really strangely uh-huh. uh but yeah so like dorf is out of the thing he's getting all this bad acting and then like he gets out of the hospital and he is just deluged with people like freaking out about him. like he is he is the beatles meets the pope like yeah. people are just going crazy his brother shows up to his ho- his uh hospital room with a a little half shirt tosses him a can of beer because you know when you're in the mm-hmm. hospital and mm-hmm. you're just slamming cold mm-hmm. ones and then <laughs> Yeah, and I barely. And they yeah. just let you into the hospital with beers. You know how hospitals work. You know how hospitals uh, are. And then he's like, he's he's mobbed by people from the leaving the hospital, gets to his house. He's mobbed by people at his house. He has to like wade through the sea of people. The mayor pulls him up on stage, gives him the key to the city. Mm-hmm. He swears at the mayor. He goes inside to his own house, and his family seems like. Like, they barely know he's there. There is, like, three, two, one, welcome home, Stephen Dorff. And they, like, it seems like they've just been woken from a deep sleep. (laughs) They're all wearing khaki everything. And they're just kind of receding into the wall in a deep coma. Yeah, there's... I think it was intentional. I think they're supposed to be a bunch of beige people. Just a beige area of older adults. You think it was intentional? I, I, I th- I'll give it that credit. Uh, Just so then, because yeah, we, of the amount of khaki. That's, so that's much fair. khaki. That's fair. Uh, so I, you loved this next scene. I'm just going to give it. I'm going to give it to you to describe because uh, I, uh, I have um, negative feelings about it. Oh, did we talk about what the lead character's name is yet? 
Oh, no, please. Oh, yeah, because it's Spab. It's Spab. His yes. name is Spab. His name mm-hmm. is, uh, his name is Spab, Cliff Spab, and later on in the film, we're going to meet Reese Witherspoon's character, Wendy Fister. So, Fister and Spab. <laughs> That's Fister. the decision this movie made. Fister. And if you, yeah, if I had a shiny nickel for every time I had to hear the word spab spoken by a human person in this movie, um, it you is wouldn't be much. the only person buying a ticket to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, we did forget. I forgot to mention before he gets to his uh, his house, he goes to the burger place that he used to work. And we're right. introduced to the first of several instances where the people in this movie have this relationship to death that is unlike anything <laughs> I have ever seen or heard. So, <laughs> yeah, um, very antagonistic. These people, <laughs> like resentful of somebody for dying. Uh huh. Yeah, Steven Dorf goes into the fast food chain that he worked at pre-hostage situation, and he is one employee of the month or employee of the whatever, and he says that his yeah. friend Joe should also have won. His friend Joe is the one that died during the hostage situation, and the, and the boss says, no, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, I forget what his response is. He's like, but he's he died. He should be on that list. No. No, can, he's dead. He's dead dead <laughs> and then like steven dorf says that again later in the movie where he's asked about his friend yeah. he's like what do you say about him he's dead like, <laughs> there's like an object permanence kind of issue where someone just ceases <laughs> to have existed after they're no so longer uh, after they've shuffled off this mortal coil yeah that guy's cool this is just a series of character actors getting their like 10 seconds in the spotlight Mm -hmm. never Mm -hmm. to be seen or heard from again um yeah so then spab and his brother go back to his house and they go into his room he (laughs) okay first he gets into a limousine to get back to his home um he is cracking open some heinekens right away and Mm -hmm. There's like a thing that happens to Steven Dorff's face when he encounters the prospect of beer that I've just, <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. He's like positively salivating and he has to throw out like a, oh yeah, like a red, 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 red <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Give me a beer. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a little kid's impersonation of like what a cool mm-hmm. older po- person must mm-hmm. do at a party. Um, <laughs> So then, yeah, he gets back to his house where he's got a mini fridge full of ice cold beers. Oh, yeah. And then he puts on a record and he and his brother just start moshing around, chest bumping into each other, smashing things, tearing things off the walls. And they just kind of do that for about a minute and a half. They just trash his entire room. They absolutely. They break his guitar. They break all of his art. They break the mini fridge that's storing his cherished beers. Like, they just destroy, <laughs> they destroy his room. Yeah. I'm not sure what is happening in this scene, but it's just, like, it's boys being dudes, and it seems, um, it seems like it might be going somewhere. It doesn't go anywhere. It's just, like, a it's, pure yeah, rebellion, man. Then their dad comes in, and he's a dick to them. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I was like, "But you like, yeah, yeah." They sort dude. of earned it. Like, however old you are, living with your parents, and then trashing your own damn room, like, 
I don't. First, he walks into the room and he goes, "Oh, what the hell did they do to it?" Which it's, nothing's seems been just like your, sir, your room, my dude. sir. Nothing's been done to it yet. <laughs> <laughs> just wait. You said your line too early. Um, <laughs> yeah. But this movie's made on such a budget, we can't shoot this again. We're doing this once. I think we may have been perfectly in sync almost when we were watching this movie separately because you texted me right after, right as I was watching this scene to say that you feel like everything smells like B.O. and like (laughs) a mosh pit. And it reminded me of this ad that I keep getting on Instagram. And I know your partner Haley has gotten Mm -hmm. on Instagram a bunch for a deodorant called Boy Smells. (laughs) (laughs) It keeps popping up it can't be real it can't be real (laughs) it's called boy smells and it's a cinch for ladies and it's also the alternative title to this movie because there's no way that every room in this movie didn't smell like steven dorf's actual armpit this movie is boy smells for sure boy smells oh man gen x boy smells this movie is so insufferably gen x i have like no feelings about gen x most of the time but this movie makes me have extremely strong feelings about gen x there were things about this movie that made me feel a little nostalgic for a time i didn't get to grow up in Mm because i was just a little too young to be around for the grunge era of the 90s and like remember it Mm -hmm. um but there's like a lot of kind of mtv-esque stuff featured and like there's like i mean Radiohead, Hole, Soundgarden, Suicidal Tendencies. It's like this laundry list of like every relevant band and they're all present in this movie because they spent their entire like $65,000 budget on the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we also do get Stephen Dorff playing some music in this movie. Uh, That's true. Which is true. I mean, like. We're introduced to... I can't tell if the movie thinks we're supposed to like him or supposed to find him completely insufferable because he is completely insufferable. He's, everybody seems to love him. He's obnoxious. He's a full idiot. Like, he is he's an absolute <laughs> idiot. <laughs> like, no, and I think that's sort of the point, but there's no moment during this movie where you connect with anyone in this movie. No, absolutely not. It's just meandering around and... It's like a little kid wandering around with his two middle fingers up, just like someone's going to encounter me at some point and also <laughs> fuck them when they arrive. It's just like stuff just kind of happens to him in a daze. Yeah, yeah, it's like this movie has sort of a, like somebody dared a filmmaker to try to make a Richard Linklater movie. Yeah. <laughs> but like didn't give them any of the tools. Like didn't write a script. It's just like we're going to send a character off to bump into other terrible people and they're going to talk pseudo-philosophy at him for 15 minutes then he'll go and do it again somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Do you want a taste of some of this wonderful dialogue? Yes, please. Or actually, this is the wonderful narration. Oh, this- the, the voiceover that starts 25 minutes into the movie? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, we were supposed to put that in earlier. I'm not going back. Is anyone else going to go back and fix it? Fuck you. This movie's almost done. Okay. It's like halfway... Th- Towards the end of the movie, I would say, they introduce... Uh, this is just, like, a sample, but I think it really is a good example of, like, the quality you can expect from uh, so Who Fucking Cares. This whole thing was like a circle spinning out of control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? First you get sucked in, then you get spun out. 
I was somewhere between getting sucked in and spun. Actually, the whole thing sucked. So, so like Michelle, circles I, are shapes. Mm-hmm. They spin. They sometimes. I, I, things that are shaped like circles can spin out of control. You know when you get sucked into a circle and then spun out, and then sucked in and spun out. Yeah, yeah, mostly. Yeah, circles spin out of control, man. Mm-hmm. Circles sometimes are everywhere. You get, sucked into the circle mm-hmm. uh so the writer of this movie one year prior one year mm-hmm. prior to writing sfw uh-huh wrote groundhog day oh fuck isn't what? that weird this movie is absolute doo-doo what? nonsense and the That's why there, there's a Groundhog, Groundhog Day reference in this movie. There's oh, a there? moment. Yeah, it was one of the weird trivia things you can find on IMDb. So when they get into, it's towards the end of the movie, and they all are going uh, from like the concert up to the hotel room to like party, have a four person party with yeah. a big ball of beer, <laughs> and they encounter that middle aged couple on the elevator, and their names are like, um, oh, what is it? It's uh, it's. Paul Connor, I think, or Phil, oh, Con- right. Phil, Phil Connor Phil, and his oh, wife, right. Rita. The, and Phil Connor is Bill Murray's character, and Rita is Annie McDowell. So I guess right. that was a little nod to the much better movie that this Vast, individual wrote one year earlier. Vast, like, I mean, about as different <laughs> as one could be, quality-wise. Oh, just, my goodness. Just night and day. Uh, yeah, so... There's, God, there's things that happen in this movie that are, like, well, one, all of the women are insane in this yeah. movie. Uh, and they're, they exist literally to reflect on him, and that is all. Like, <laughs> a lot of the movies we watch are deeply problematic from a gender perspective, but this one is, like, whatever the opposite of the Bechdel test is. <laughs> Every woman in this movie exists to um, verbally express Stephen Dorff's thoughts for him. Because... And just how awesome he is. Just how fucking great. He... The yeah. first thing you get after Stephen Dorff destroys his own room is that he goes over and has sex with his, his dead, dead friend's friend sister. sister. <laughs> Played by Joey Lauren Joey Adams. Lauren Adams. Cute little... I, she was a highlight for me. I fucking love her. Chasing Amy and She's et cetera, great. She's et cetera. so watchable. What a cute little voice. She's very charming and watchable, and she was better than this movie. She was. Uh, her character, on the other hand... Mm. It is all about basically stu- sucking Stephen Dorff's dick. That is yes. her character. Lives and breathes to service his manhood. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh... There is one... And give him rides and give him money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, She does exhibit the only moment of, like, a plausible human emotional reaction, which is that briefly she cries about her brother. Yes. It's the only time that anybody in this movie is remotely human. Uh, And then we immediately go into them fucking... Sex. Yeah. Uh, There's also a moment... I don't know. Did you notice this? That... uh, Stephen Dorff, in addition to drinking beer with Joey Lauren Adams, is also drinking a glass of whiskey. Mm-hmm. He looks down at the glass of whiskey, and it's bubbling as though somebody put an Alka-Seltzer tablet. Yeah, <laughs> I, I missed that too, and I was like, I guess because he's getting really stressed out? Is this a thing? 
I, I don't, I cannot imagine that even this complete batshit asshole idiot character put an Alka-Seltzer tablet into his giant glass of whiskey. What the fuck it's was just, going on with that? It's just a bubbling glass of whiskey, uh, which was a, was a directorial decision, but why, Michelle? Is this like what a 90s for? thing I'm missing? Do people just pop Alka-Seltzer in cocktails? I, I, I cannot I just, imagine. I am just I so curious. Not. I just don't know. I hope not. I don't know. Um, oh, Jake Busey's in it. Wearing yes, pleather he, pants. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Doing a lot Although, of tooth acting. We shouldn't skip ahead to Jake Busey because there is a very important moment that you've mm. already referred to. So yeah, he, it's wonderful. So he fucks Joy Lauren Adams to the tune of a song with the repeating lyrics, I was a teenage whore. Uh, yep. Which, come on, movie. Uh, yep. And then she gives him a ride and they do some, like, chat about whatever, sex and money. Uh and she says, uh, so how long are you going to be gone? And Dorf says, oh, you know me, baby. Rocking, rolling, taking care of business, sweet thing. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, and then he gets out of the car. And we walk up on these, like, two kids. Oh, the best. Tweaking out to grunge music on a yeah. bus stop bench. Just jittering around in their gray sweatpants. Just just, th- <laughs> just thrashing. Like yeah. both having a, You know the jiggly leg kid seizure. that everyone had in one of their like high school classrooms? It's like mm-hmm. there's at least one jiggly leg kid. And there's in this <laughs> but in this case there's two. And they're both just battering up against each other with like jittery leg kid energy and mm-hmm. uh listening to grunge music and lo and behold it's little baby toby mcguire and his shaggy Just shaggy hair and his manic ass top. face yes oh man man does that guy look bad in this movie <laughs> i mean everybody does so uh cute. yeah he uh he's a real surprise and he and his friend are absolutely intolerable. I cannot stand watching them on screen. They are a truly horrible presence. I would describe their energy as rabid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are foaming at the mouth, pissing their jeans, like need to get physically closer to Steven Dorff's body just to kind of feed off of the energy and pheromones. I mean, they're like a Ritalin ad slash cautionary tale. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they both look really dirty. They're both obsessed with him. Uh, it's And then I think the funniest part about that scene is, like, it's a pretty in-and-out scene. Like, he comes and has this quick little conversation with them and, like, inspires the youth. And then he drives away, and it just stays on them for, like, another <laughs> yeah. 30 seconds. And they're just like, ah, ha, 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 ha. like, Beavis and Butthead energy off the charts. And it just, I don't know if it was, like, Toby Maguire had a connection or the, whoever the other kid is was someone's son, but they're just like on for a while. Yeah. Uh, Bless their little... Don't know why. Don't know birds. why. Could not explain. Uh, but I mean, that's that's one of the many times this movie decides to show you a thing that does not advance the plot. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, doesn't really even... It's not worth looking at. <laughs> I think that it's like um, like a little kid like turning over a log and being like, eh, gross, right? But it's like <laughs> that over and over and over again with the human condition. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and, and what about it? I don't know. Let's turn another log over. <laughs> 
<laughs> Except it's definitely turning over like dirty mattresses and finding sweaty gym socks and old beer. God, I hope that's all we find in this movie. God, uh, there's um, and then okay, so then the next scene, it's 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 the baby Busey scene, right? It's yes, little baby Busey, Spab and his friend Baby Buse, uh, in his pleather pants, go to a girl's house that Baby Busey is dating presumably i guess yeah and she's unconscious on the ground and their immediate solution is to drop her into a full bathtub fully clothed and then pour champagne on her you know when you have an unconscious person (laughs) and you want to make sure that you know you bring them back to life consciousness so you just drop them in like the largest vessel of water that you can possibly find like a, a really hard one that mm-hmm. she can and does hit her head on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that scene exists only to show you more reprehensible humans and how much they worship Steven Dorf, though. Yeah, every every other character you meet in this movie, you do want to scrub your body off with lie after meeting them. There, There is a thing that you skipped over, which I, I, I want to go back to, which is when we first meet Jake Busey, he takes him and they're watching TV together. Uh-huh. And they're watching this, like, Phil Donahue interview. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the whole time, like, this is this whole thing is really weird. Because you've got this, like, you have a Larry King character, you have a Phil Donahue character, you have a mm-hmm. Sam Donaldson character, you have a Ted Koppel character. Yeah. Uh, and Alan Dershowitz. And credit, the rest of them are, like, Phil Donahue clone. Alan Dershowitz is just credited as Alan Dershowitz. And they're That's all funny. played by the same actor. Yeah, uh, yeah, I noticed that he's why? doing a lot of eyebrow work. I don't understand. Like, one, why not just have, like, these are, I've seen Larry King play himself in so many Oh, my movies. God. Why couldn't I feel like have he, I feel like King? he's, he was calling studios, asking permission to be yes. <laughs> on set. Yes. Yeah, there's, like, no chance he would have said no, but they definitely just gave a, a different guy a pair of suspenders. Yes. They just really had to get John Rourke, John Rourke. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Character actor John Rourke is who yeah. we needed to play all of these parts. Yeah, and this is when we actually get to see Reese Witherspoon because she's appearing on a lot of daytime TV and doing mm-hmm. like at-home interviews. Um, she's America's sweetheart. She's like, she came from money, and so everybody worships her. And Steven Dorff's the bad boy who came from grungy nowhere. <laughs> Meanwhile... No one's been able to find Steve. Okay, we're, I gotta call him Spab. Spab. No one's been able to find and track down Spab, and the media is like frantic about it. He literally has been in the same town that the hostage <laughs> yes. situation took. He's been down the street from the place that he was tied up for 36 days, and now he's just at his house, schlepping around town. It is seemingly a very small suburb. He keeps running into people he knows. Everyone see- notices him on site. He took a limousine from the hospital to his house, and there were reporters <laughs> there. There's no, like, there's no tracing needed. Everyone could just knock on his door. His parents are waiting. Answer I, the call. And like, I I gotta get back to why why are the terrorists holding up a bodega yes. in like suburban Chicagoland? And no idea. their only demand is to film the people that they're holding hostage and have it be played on television. And you never get I don't know. anything else. Ever. 
Like, at, nope. <laughs> at one point, Stephen Dorff does say that maybe they were just bored like everybody else, and the crowd that he tells mm-hmm. this to cheers. Uh, yeah. Which is a really funny reaction to sympathy with terrorism. But, like, <laughs> they're... I know. Yeah, the movie doesn't really what, paint what the terrorists in a negative light. If No. They're just... They're just people with uh, nylons on their faces constantly pushing a camera into these hostages' faces. No one seems like, yeah, no other demands. Also, the hostages don't seem very indignant. They're kind of playing it up for the camera. Yeah, they seem, like, Stephen Dorff seems to be genuinely enjoying it. He's on fucking fire. He loves it. He is. He he, he says so fucking what so many times. He's like... Getting energy from his perceived audience. Um, <laughs> God, this movie is confusing. It doesn't have a plot. <laughs> I feel like we should just get that out of the way. There's a series of occurrences, but there's no plot. You okay? <laughs> yeah, I just found my soda. <laughs> really, there's no plot. There's nothing to this movie. There are there are just things that happen, and then another thing that happens, and then a third thing that happens, and then eventually the movie kind of just ends. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so yeah, at this point we see Reese Witherspoon being interviewed. Uh, Baby Busey says something about her that's like kind of creepy. Uh, Bab defends her, and then we're off to the next scene to interact with his gross, grimy, unconscious ex girlfriend or whatever she is. And they get into a, a side story that you only half hear because part of it is, like, obscured by, like, Stephen Dorff's brain fog. And, like, right. the like audio gets all weird. Apparently she, like, faked an abortion so she could get $300 to buy a bunch of shitty champagne and get <laughs> drunk champagne. in the bathtub. Just like, you know, women. The, the Groundhog Day guy wrote this into the movie. Like, oh, what? my God. The Why? Groundhog Day guy. So this movie is based on a novel, so it's hard to know how much to blame on the movie and how much to blame on the novel. But either way, like a human person decided that that was worth their time to write and our time to consume. Uh, I did write down what is the purpose of Jake Busey's character in this movie. He he accomplishes nothing to it. It moves the narrative no. ahead zero. No, he does, he's just another guy. He's just another guy. He does eventually take him to take Steven Dorff to his sister's house and leaves him there. And then we have an interaction with his sister that also accomplishes nothing. He and his sister, by the way, have the exact same haircut. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> Gary Busey and his sister have the same platinum blonde, short, like not quite mullet like swooped back 90s hair and it's breathtaking she also appears to be holding a curling iron in her hand despite having hair so short you couldn't curl it that's true uh there's i don't know why Mm -hmm. Hmm. mysteries prop work Uh, yeah i and that so uh then jake uh, not jake busey jake busey's gone never to come back uh dwarf throws Jake sees a gun, Dorf throws it into a, a lake, walks away, he's walking down the street, mm-hmm. and then randos driving past him, walking down the road, immediately recognize him from the back of his head and pick him up. <laughs> and then, like, everybody else in this movie 
the entire scene is them yelling at him how great he is. In love how, with him. And how brave he is to say what everybody's thinking, which appears to be that nothing matters. And, like, uh, what I thought was interesting is this this wasn't, like, a movie speaking to a generation. The people that pick him up are, like, crusty old, like, hippies. It's like it's like Danny Chong knockoffs. Yeah. Like, like it's... Like older people just kind of like and and monologue screaming about how nothing matters for a while, and then then he just hops out of their moving car and frolics across the field, <laughs> and he and frolic is Very definitely. Free. I mean, his arms are out like an airplane. He just runs away. That's really uh, the feel of this movie. Steven Dorf arms like an airplane, yelling "fuck you" to everything, mm-hmm. and then next scene. And he talks about getting sucked into a circle. Uh, and then he checks into a hotel oh. where the clerk is wearing my favorite ne- character in the whole movie. <laughs> the clerk is a a, a sort of Shelley Duvall looking woman, yes, who's wearing a neck brace for absolutely no reason. And at one point, he says her name on her name tag, and she looks down at her name tag as if to check who she is yeah. while constrained by her neck brace. But what? Why she, does she spe- have a neck brace? The cadence of her speech is like, like she's the concierge in a Dracula movie. <laughs> <laughs> she for, is inexplicably wearing a neck brace and turns slowly, slowly, slowly and says, what can I get for you this evening? <laughs> and then he asks for a room and he pays for it in cash because he's a dirtbag. And then she turns <laughs> Back to the computer and with Mantis hands begins slowly typing and says, "Very good." And salad I fingers. Just she's salad fingers. My what she is? Fucking mind. She's she's salad fingers. <laughs> so he checks into the neck brace hotel. Oh my god! And he turns on the TV, and in what I can't tell is the high point or low point of the movie, he sees a a preview for a movie about his own life where gary coleman is playing him and yes i i don't i like and in the narration for the movie like it's sort of about race but like he steven let's be clear steven dorf is a white man uh whitest of men it's the whitest of men he and he knows it in the movie he talks about it uh, uh-huh. but you know, you know, he's, he's a low melanin individual. He, like what I'm saying is he's, he's not a black person, but the, the way they decide the sh- movie is about like Reese Witherspoon's love affair with a black dwarf. Like I, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> and like, I'm a little pissed for Gary Coleman, too, because it feels oh, like they just sure. threw him in there as a novelty act, and he's a human Absolutely. man. He is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Gary Coleman was pretty used oh, to this at that man. point, which is not, that doesn't make it better. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's just a, no, he was just a living punchline for a lot of a lot of people, but. And uh, then Dwarf changes the channel to a person talking about somebody else committing suicide, whose last words were so fucking what, Dorf's catchphrase, and then Dorf just laughs to himself. He loves it. He likes it. Awful. Uh, And then... And then we get 
an entire Guar music video. <laughs> Did this play in a movie theater? Like, were there people sitting understand. in a movie theater who are suddenly just watching a Guar music video where, like, Guar members are, like, humping each other while talking about Steven Dorff, who's also kind of in the video? <laughs> but you get it for, like, two minutes. It's like a fucking full Guar music video. And of all the fucking acts to choose, it's Guar. It's, it's so disgusting. Funny. It's great. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, this movie loves a good music video. This movie wants to be a music video, but it can't be. So it has to try to be a movie a little bit, <clears throat> but only a little bit. Um, so, yeah, then, like, Steven Dorf, old Spab, Spabadoodle, decides to, like, finally address the press because he wants to get closer to Reese Witherspoon, right? Like, he mm-hmm. wants to find her. And the only way mm-hmm. to find her is to go on national TV. And so they do live holds- in the same town. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> everyone lives down the street from where this whole traumatic event happened. But it's still one big mystery. So he holds what I can only describe as like a press conference concert. <laughs> where he's got all the, yeah, he's like all the reporters are gathered right there by the stage and he's VJing uh, like the top 10 hits, his favorite videos. And also it's a live concert. But he's also that make sense? In, a, in a room with a bunch of elderly women. Uh, oh, yeah. He introduces his like weird concert thing by being in a room with three older women in what looks like a nursing home and saying the word fuck a thousand times. Right. And, and the old women love it. They're eating it up. Yeah, they think it's uh, great. Yeah. And, uh, right, and that's when Dwarf s- s- expresses his sympathy with the terrorists and everybody cheers. Uh, and it's also when he uh, he says there's nothing to say about his dead friend because his dead friend is gone because yep. this movie this movie's understanding of death is uh-huh. completely psychotic. Yep, uh, he's gone now. Bye bye. And and then he is taking an elevator. He walks up on his friend. Well, he has an epic flashback first. Oh yes, yes on yes, stage, yes. which is like you relive the trauma and you basically, even though you already know what happened. You have to, like, watch it all play out in real no, time. Michelle, this a... is two different concerts. You are you are thinking about two different <laughs> concerts. <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> We've got 20 minutes before we have that second identical concert. You're right, you're right, you're right. Where yet again yelling oh, at the I same crowd. Ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we can't skip over his friend or brother. I guess it's his brother. Carrying yes, a giant glass ball. I cannot state this enough. It is a giant glass a giant transparent glass ball of beer. And Stephen Dorf It looks says, like a hippity hop, but if it was glass and filled with beer. Yes. Uh it says, hey, look at that big ball of beer you've got there. Saying the thing that we're all thinking. Yes. And his brother says, I'm a big guy. And then the movie just goes <laughs> on. As though it was that. Michelle, I mean, I wasn't drinking beer in 1994. I know you also weren't. But Michelle, was that a thing? Do people I've... drink beer out of big fucking transparent glass balls? I, if this was a different movie, that would be the best. Because you just know the props department was like, let's throw another weird thing in there. This movie isn't like self-aware enough to be making some kind of silly, let's have fun with the audience moment. I feel like the beer is supposed to look cool. Right? Is, 
I, like pr- very very cool. Like oh, very who would want Very very Gen X. So you know, Gen X like a big bottle, a big glass ball of wine colored beer. It's like red <laughs> beer. And then, and then they get different beer. <laughs> like he carries... And then they all have cans of... Okay, it's, it is so clear that no one would give them the time of day except Heineken. And Heineken's yeah. like, we'll take what we can fucking get, man. We are Heineken. Get us in this movie, but get us in every scene. Is... Yeah, because they absolutely have to bite. You gotta have your green beers and then your ba- balls of beer. Mm-hmm. And then your cans of beer. They have off-brand cans of beer. That look like Pepsi cans. Uh, yeah, and that, that's beer. when they, they take these two middle-aged people back to the room. And there's this moment where, like, I don't even know what Steven Dorf says, but Steven Dorf's girlfriend, Steven Dorf's brother's girlfriend says, oh, that is so spab. And then there's this, like, 30-second moment where all where of the Where everybody just says it. <laughs> and But then they're silent. Then we're just looking at like five awkward people in a room, and we like I kind of respect the movie for forcing us to sit with it. Like, yeah, there's nothing because... to sit with, but they force us to do it. Every single person in that scene says, "Oh, it's very spab, so spab," and they all have to say it two to three times, and then you're just left staring at a room of three younger people and two middle-aged people all just looking each other dead in the goddamn eyes everybody's spent they've heard so fucking what so many times they're drained in the same way that we are yeah it's uh, true and then we go to the to second to the second concert. concert where he goes back downstairs to like rev the crowd up again is this a different day he never changes his clothes so it's impossible to know <laughs> uh <laughs> boys yeah and and he's playing he like it's an empty stage there's a drum set behind him and a spinning like hypnotic wheel yeah, and, that's a thing in this movie. And the whole crowd is chanting so fucking what at him. Mm-hmm. And then he has his flashback to like, yeah, yeah. just show us exactly what we knew already happened. It does, the movie really expresses its delusions of grandeur at the end where like his friend has shot some terrorists and died. He shot some terrorists and gotten shot. And you get the like taxi driver overhead shot. Which is like, it's fucking iconic and it belongs nowhere in a movie like this. <laughs> like, they, every now and then I, in a movie like this, I watch it and I'm like, oh, you poor bastards. You thought you were making a really Art. good, deep movie. Yeah. This, this, is, this is a fart house like movie. A, what are you doing? It's a fart house movie. There's a Marlon Brando reference at some point. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of sad, but it's edgy, man. You don't get it. You don't get it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's fat and windy reunite. So oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should I shouldn't be so familiar. I should be more formal with Miss Fister, <laughs> Spab and Fister reunite. And uh, yeah, and they then go have a romantic evening together, talking about how no one else understands them. At well, at the site of their kidnapping. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So they they go back and kind of relive their whatever and um, profess nothing, but also that no one else understands nothing. And then... Well, Reese does have a pretty good monologue here. Okay. Where Reese says, Spab, you try to come off as just some guy, but you're not just some guy. You've got a message. And Dorf says, what's my message? 
And Reese says, your message is that there is no message. Mm-hmm. I... What? That is the tagline for this movie. It, there is I, no message. There is no message. I, there is no point. And you're like, Reese... Reese is a... She's got star power even in this. Like, she's very watchable. Yeah. She's, so fresh face, so cute. She's Pops winning. on screen. You know, she also... I would have never thought this, but she looks... Exactly like at this age, I don't know how old she must have been. Pretty fucking young. She looks exactly like the uh, the woman that uh, I think her name is Andrew Rice. She plays uh, the daughter and mayor of Easttown. Oh, okay, yeah. Looks they fucking do. exactly. She's in the Nice Guys and some other shit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly like her. Yeah, it doesn't they matter do for look, the plot. But they do look really similar. Look really similar. Uh, but yeah, and then they fuck because that's what you do after you've visited. Everyone your, fucks Stephen Dorff. Everyone fucks, fucks Stephen. You have to. He's, he's got such sex animal with, magnetism. Yeah, he's had greasy sex with two women already. Why not go for broke? Uh, yeah. So then, uh, then that's yeah. just one last scene, really. Two, uh, two, yeah. two last scenes. Two scenes. Two, two scenes. scenes two scenes. Uh, we're at a high school assembly in their in their uh, hometown, and they're giving a speech. And the speech. Oh, I do want to interrupt you for a moment. Okay. Because at the be- at the end of the movie, they are uh, both giving speeches at their shared high school. In the beginning of the movie, it is said that they go to different high schools and live no, in different towns. No, this movie forgot. <laughs> what do so many movies forget? You have the script in front of you. It's right there. You didn't even have to mention that time. You did not have to mention anything about high school at any other point in this movie. Absolutely unnecessary. That's uh, so but funny. Yeah, they give a speech. A, yeah. It's bullshit. And, I mean, basically, it's just the everyone oh captain my captains, except for that it's the who fucking cares moment. And mm-hmm. uh, we get the entire assembly throwing their fists up, saying, so fucking what? Except one girl sitting in the audience who's got a pistol in her purse, and then she just screams, everything matters, and fires her gun twice. Cut to hospital room. Steven Dorff and Reese Witherspoon sitting side by side in their hospital beds. They both have their arms in slings because apparently it's impossible to shoot anyone not in the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> it is and, it's the meatiest part of the body. It's the body's natural target. It's true. And they're just watching uh, like nothing but news on every channel about what happened, exploiting this girl and turning her into the new Reese Witherspoon who's going to be on all the talk shows. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, do you want to do you want to read the last two lines of dialogue? Uh, I I sure can. I sure will. Let me let me have. Well, if you have it pulled up, you should. I don't have it. I didn't actually write this one down. I do remember it, uh, at least part of it. They say each other's names back and forth for some time. Forever, and then right. and then he says, "We getting married or what?" <laughs> and what does she say? Well, guy, I guess we are. And then they get married, I guess. And then, the, uh, then the movie just ends, and you listen to a Soundgarden song, and uh, I guess go buy the soundtrack. There, there are two other things I do want to talk about right before that. Uh, one, there's a whole thing of like now the media is obsessed with uh, with this woman Babs Weiler who shoots them. Uh, there is a headline that says Babs Weiler, my best friend is a tree, which I yeah. think <laughs> is yeah, actually that was pretty funny. solid. Uh, the 
The second is like this movie exists in such a crazy preschool shooting universe where a news anchor says the following words. After the shooting, students refused to return to class, leaving the campus a virtual ghost town. It's like implies that we were so unaccustomed in 1994 to the idea of a school shooting. Right. I guess it was just like, I guess they'll just go back to class as you were. Yeah, dude. This is a 1994. This is cemented in time. It's yeah, a very it 1994 is. movie. Oh it man, is wild. Yeah. So this movie is about absolutely fucking nothing. 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 <laughs> this movie did not need to take place. No. Nothing happened. Nothing needed to happen. No one learned anything except that Heineken is good, and um. That Toby Maguire should probably chill out and smoke more weed or less weed. It's unclear. Whatever he's doing, it's not working for him. Should get a haircut for sure. Okay, how rad would it have been if this movie had Gary Busey instead of Jake Busey? As the same character or as yes, every character? Yes, as the same character. As, okay. <laughs> just rocking pleather pants and like hanging out <laughs> with like a younger guy just burying I, around town. I think probably take the movie up Squiring him about. That's what I was looking for. Squiring him about town. <laughs> As in, like, training him to be a knight under Gary Busey? Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm all for a Busey flick, for a Busey joint. Uh, so, God, there are 364 plot keywords for this movie. What? How did this many people see this? Well, might not be this many people. It, it, it may be just one man. <laughs> uh, yeah. One person can get a lot of IMDb work done. And they did... There's a lot of, like, sort of jazz-like riffs in these where somebody will settle upon an idea, and then you get that idea in a bunch of different ways. So (laughs) you get spitting, spitting on the floor, male nudity, male rear nudity, male objectification, bare butt, male bare butt, mooning. So, like, all, you know, is riffs on a theme. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leave no stone unturned. Terrorist, terrorist group. Criminal gang. Who was the criminal gang? Cri- criminal. I think the terrorists. I guess I think the they terrorists were a criminal must be. Gang. Uh, mm. Traumatized protagonist. Camera shot of mouth. Yes. 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 Close up of mouth. Absolutely. Yes. Woken by a telephone call. I guess. Huh. Handcuffed to chair. Handcuffed woman. Handcuffs. See, yes. we're all, we're in, in themes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, employee of the month is a fucking great plot keyword for mm-hmm. this movie. 17-year-old, 17-year-old girl, teenage boy, teenage protagonist, cheering crowd. Was Steven Dor- Dorff supposed to be 17? No, uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon's supposed to be 17. Steven Dorff, we haven't gotten to 19-year-old boy, 19-year-old, and 19-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, starring long-haired male. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Glad that exists. Uh, kissing during sex. Okay. Uh, reference to Medusa. Reference to (laughs) Gorgon. Which is just what Medusa is, I think. (laughs) Okay. Death by shooting, death by gunshot, murder murder by shooting, murder by gunshot, broken window, broken car window. You know, 
people the are they're really taken in. Yeah. Uh, sitting on the floor is a plot keyword in this movie. Hmm, because, perfect. Sure, as is lying on the floor, as is woman in a bathtub, as is female alcoholic, uh, as is <laughs> drinking champagne, drinking champagne from a bottle, drinking wine, drinking wine from a bottle. Yeah, I, I could opening champagne, opening a champagne bottle. Uh, reference to Alphonse Mucha, there is a fu- the front wallpaper in the champagne scene. Like the I remember Jake, it, yeah. bathroom has Mucha wallpaper, which I would I would have I would take in my own house. Yeah. Uh, hit on the head with a gun for sure. Hit in the face with a gun, obviously. Throwing a gun into water. Shot in the eye. There is somebody shot in the eye. Twenty oh, year old true. man. Twenty year old. <laughs> uh, throwing a hat. Yep, absolutely. Uh, fantasy sequence. High school student murder attempt. Attempted murder. Female terrorist. Is there? I guess. I, I don't know. Unclear. They're all wearing socks on their heads. Yeah. Uh, how, would barefoot, I, how would I know? Barefoot woman. Oh, there it is. There it is. Man wears a crop top. Man wears a tank top. Both important things to know about this movie. The man wears a crop top <laughs> is a genuinely important thing to know about this movie. It is. Uh, playing an imaginary guitar is a plot keyword in this movie, and I am going to open up and see what other movies come up. Is it going to be a Jack Black at the number top? No, actually. The only playing an imaginary guitar is the movie SFW from 1994. Oh, because they didn't have the phrase fucking air guitar, I guess? Didn't have the phrase. No, it's like this is written by an alien. Uh, Woman Wears Panties is a plot keyword. It is surprisingly far down the list. That is shocking to me. And it's right next to Woman Wears a Bathrobe and Woman Wears Eyeglasses. Which is like hmm. this an interesting progression. Yeah. More clothes are added as time goes on. Camera shot from inside a refrigerator. Yes. Kidnapper kidnapped relationship. Kind no. of. No. I mean <laughs> I mean so, I guess the camera so, is sort of the kidnapper at this point. Yeah, sorta. Uh, the audience is the kidnapped and the filmmaker mm-hmm. is the kidnapper, and we are in That's a, true. an abusive relationship. <laughs> Yeah, I was held hostage for 93 minutes. Father-son relationship, which I feel like... Bare- oh, white trash is a plot keyword, which doesn't feel fair to anybody. <laughs> no, I would say they're lower middle class, but not white trash. There's no white no. trash trappings I, on this particular package. I wouldn't think so. Uh, their <laughs> entire title is capitalized acronym, is a plot keyword... For this movie. Not about uh, the brevity, I guess. No. it's a, Actually, there's a surprising number of movies that come up with entire title is capitalized acronym. Uh, two of them are MASH, so we're not going to spend too much time there. Oh, Stealth was one, right? Uh, when we watched Stealth, wasn't it like S-T-E-A-L-T-H? Oh, Stealth is an acronym. It had a, it had a dot in between each one. It doesn't make it on this list. There uh, are two different movies out. called SWAT on this list, though. Hmm. Uh, there's a movie called LOL starring Miley Cyrus. On I'm this aware list. of this movie. Oh, are you? I haven't seen it yet. It looks <laughs> real bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking sure. Uh, based on novel and blood spatter. Those that takes us. You know, it's it's a it's a little. It's a little flavor of mm-hmm, the 363 mm-hmm. plot keywords for this movie. Wow. And honestly, you, this could have used an editor. That just, it seems a little wordy. I mean, they make you, they really bury the lead with the panties 
and stuff. Yeah, like, I would have thought. Usually they just give that to you up front. That's usually number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> three out of three called this relevant. Uh, <laughs> three out of three people wrote that entire list. How the fucking one out of one people wrote this list? No way. This is... You know... Uh, you know how you can, like, tell if an ancient text was written <laughs> by one person based on, like, if all the language is similar and the, the themes are similar? I can... I can feel in my heart this was written by one person. Uh, oh, that poor... That person needs a hug. Or a no hug, one to hug them ever because they're probably as sticky as this movie. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, I'm actually... Af- I'm afraid of the person that watched this movie and had enough um, passion about it that they needed to take to the internet and just do that for, I'm assuming, like 10 minutes. I, I hope it was just 10 minutes. One hopes. One hope. Uh, what about what about Parent Guide? Is it just is it just uh, shot in the face after shot in the face? It's this I movie actually, is I, decently violent. There was some good stuff in the Parents Guide. It's not our best Parents Guide, but it does have uh, this. This movie contains medium low amount of sex and nudity, which is an huh. interesting <laughs> metric. Yeah. A medium <laughs> low amount of sex and nudity. <laughs> There's actually a lot of sex. <laughs> sex? <laughs> well, I'm realizing that nothing is really shown. It's more like you see one one female nipple, and then oh. mostly it's just like a lot of sweaty missionary where you can't really see what's happening. But it's still oh. plenty of sex. So would you say that the main character has intimate moments, kisses, and occasionally sex with three different women throughout this movie? The first sequence starts with a deep kiss and afterwards continues as a rather long sexual intercourse with minimal nudity. The girl's nipples are briefly seen. The other scene consists of a passionate kiss. In the third scene, the main character is in bed with the girl. They kiss and are implied to be naked as it is assumed they were just finished having sex, but nothing is shown. Is that what you mean, Michelle? Yep, that's definitely how that was typed out. It was just feverish. Uh The person was sweating so hard as they typed that furiously into their computer. 163 uses of the F word and its derivatives. The movie's title itself, So Fucking What, which is also the main character's motto, is said numerous times throughout the movie. Like, is there a machine that tallies this shit? Because otherwise, there is a person... That watched 1994's SFW and fucking yeah. hash marked each time Stephen Dorff's dirty mouth said <laughs> fuck or motherfucker or so fucking what. Oh man, within the first 15 minutes of the movie, I had already abandoned any hope I had to do that. Because I was like, oh, let's say fuck a lot. I wonder if it would be interesting to, oh, nope, I think it's already been 60 times. I'm over it. God, I love these. Several uses of shit and some other profanities such as bastard. Damn and bitch. <laughs> How old do you think the person that wrote these is, ballpark? 12 or 60. Yeah, yeah. 60 uh, from Nebraska. A man smokes a joint with two young teens. A man smokes a joint with two hippies. A man smokes a joint in a hotel suite. Countless scenes involving alcohol consumption, especially beer. All yes. of the above are frequent and very present. Hmm. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is a beer. This movie is an old, lukewarm beer that's sitting on your coffee table after a disgusting night. Interestingly, uh, 
I'm I never looked at this before. The rating systems, uh, country to country, are really interesting. So in New mm. Zealand, you couldn't watch. This is a, an 18 year old movie. Uh, in the Netherlands, Germany, and Iceland, it's 16. In the UK, it's 18. In Finland, it's kindergarten to 14. <laughs> Two fourteen. The <laughs> fact that there's, it sounds like there's a cap. God. Also, Finland. I mean, what is up? What dude? the fuck is Finland doing? Finland, the, you guys. The, cool? nu- the number two movie in that can't be what K through fourteen is, right? Because the number two movie is Saving Private Ryan. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god. I am, I am not old enough to watch Saving Private Ryan now. I'm 34 years old. Yeah, man. Like, people hold their own entrails in their arms as they stagger across the beach. Like, it's a lot for an adult-ass woman to handle. Uh, K-, K through 14, eh? Finland is fucking metal. Okay. So, K through 14 is... Uh, uh, it's K-14, and it allows people 14 or older to watch the movie. Wow. It is not for kindergartners. Got but it. it is a much lower... Still 14. People 14 grow fast is... in Finland. Yeah. F- fast and finish. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, well, honestly, this movie's fine. It's fine. I wouldn't, rec- I wouldn't recommend it, but like... It's not like... It's it leaves you feeling nothing. That's the thing. It's like... Okay. Last, last time we gathered to discuss a cinematic event, it was traumatizing yes and one of the grossest worst things i've ever seen on screen before this was just like eating stale white bread yeah yeah i you know and there's like a smell in the room while you're doing it but the thing you're eating is like you're gonna forget that you ate it and be hungry again like i honestly will probably forget everything about this movie Nothing to remember, frankly. Except the filmmakers did describe this movie as a serial comedy about terrorism, beer, and talk shows. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah. And the trivia suggests that along with singles and reality bites, this movie is considered one of the touchstone films of Generation X. It's so good. It's like... Generation X. Gen X. I mean, Uh, that really reads like the director of this film just took to IMDb, though. Yeah, yeah like, it's doing some real Cuba Gooding Jr. on this. You'd be hard-pressed to find a person that had heard of this. And I would wager, I guess, that Reese Witherspoon forgot about it as well. I would hope. I mean, I imagine she may be related to Showtime making this movie almost impossible to find. Yeah, yeah. Not great. Not great. Later, the director of this movie said he found the parallels between this life and Kurt Cobain's life to be quite eerie. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, the best was that they wanted... They, what, didn't they want to use a Kurt Cobain song for the movie? And Cobain and, wouldn't do it. And he wouldn't do it, but they it said somewhere at INDB that they gave him a copy of the movie for a screening, and all it says is he had a reaction to the <laughs> he movie. Res- he who responded to the film. Yeah, and it's yeah. just in quotes. And it's the nicest possible way of saying that he technically watched it with his eyeballs. <laughs> uh, yeah. Stupid. Yeah. Um, if you want a little walk down 90s grunge memory, memory lane, though, I guess soundtrack is the, soundtrack only, the only redeeming thing about this movie. It's honestly yeah. shockingly high budget and pretty good for what it is. Yeah, if yeah. if you, I mean, like, I would say the guar you could skip, but otherwise. I mean, yeah, but like, it's all it's all just kind of a vibe. 
it's just all one sort of greasy mm-hmm. anti-corporate vibe it's good yeah yeah, yeah. i would agree you get steven dorf walking in a melancholy state down the street of his bodunk town while creep plays in the background and that is one of the best parts of the movie (laughs) it's wild yeah yeah not bad not bad honestly did this Uh, oh did the author do anything else after this like didn't so i thought that harold ramus co-wrote groundhog day am i crazy i think harold ramus did co-write groundhog day let me he was writing everything that bill murray was in back in the 80s yeah or Let's, 90s, 90s. I guess that was 93. But yeah. We can we can double check that real quick. I mean, Danny I mean, Rubin is credited on the screenplay, and he is credited with Groundhog Day. Maybe uh, he adapted it, and then... He wrote the story for Groundhog Day, and Harold Ramis wrote the dialogue. Is there what it is. Got it. Okay. I was going to say. Because it's so... <laughs> Groundhog Day is so quippy and has such a different feel. It's hard also, for like, me to believe that that person is capable of creating whatever the fuck this is. <laughs> what does it mean to write the story for a movie based on a book? <laughs> yeah, it's an already existing story. <laughs> I don't I, know. I'm sure there's a I'm sure there's a way that that works, but I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. Uh, so if you had to be a character in this fine piece of oh fuck. Uh, <laughs> I know who I pick. Hands down. Oh God, I. I mean, I think Jake Busey's sister because she's a successful lawyer who seems to have her shit together. Oh yeah, that's true. She's doing fine. We didn't talk about her at all because her part of this movie is not interesting. No. But she seems she seems okay. Uh, I have a guess of to who you're going to pick, but uh, <laughs> do tell. Uh, Sally Fingers, baby. I haunt the... I am the concierge that haunts hotels and descends upon the keyboard of the computer I'm using to do stuff at it. And then mysteriously turn my entire body 45 degrees to talk to people in the inexplicably slyest way possible. Don't forget to forget your own name as well. Oh, it's Patricia, I think. I didn't forget. I mean, Patricia you never you forgets a face. Check your tag. <laughs> <sighs> uh, well, this is, a, this is a nice little... It's a pick-me-up. <laughs> you know, it really is. It really is. It's just a net zero. And that's sometimes the best you can ask for when, mm-hmm. uh, when you decide to commit abuse to yourself. And- and it introduced weeks. me to the concept of a giant glass ball of beer, which I'll never, <laughs> <laughs> I'll never honestly, think again. Honestly, underused in this movie. I wanted to see how they were going to pop that bad boy open, and they never showed me how. So, I mean, Is so it like a cork embedded in it, or does it have some kind of like funnel system? Do you put <laughs> it you on top of like, like, like an a egg. stand? Yeah, do you just bash it over someone's head? Because that's the mood of this movie. You just lap it up all over the broken glass. Mate, you you know what? You drink it out of the bathtub. Let's be real. Oh yeah. You, you pour it, it into bathtub, you the, bathtub the bathtub and onto an unconscious woman and you drink mm-hmm. it off of her body while she screams at you. You got it. Cool. Well, I know who's writing the sequel. I've got ah. some work to do on my hotel computer with my salad salad fingers. <laughs> I wish you the very best of luck in this Thanks. endeavor. Thank you. Don't need it. Thank uh, you. You could call it new SFW, which will really help. Ooh, that'll be good. It's, that'll be yes. good. It'll you can really... shorten it to NSFW. We're going to get a lot of hits. I mm-hmm. think that people might be a little bit disappointed after the first <laughs> 10 minutes when the only nudity is that guy's bare midriff. 
Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could paint boobs on it or something. Oh, yeah. uh, well, until we revisit and check in with Michelle on uh, SFW2 and SFW. Sorry, I'll sorry, Stephen George. <laughs> I'll still be Michelle. Experiments fast forward to the future of acting. Yeah.